It was Goethe who said we love girls for what they are. Well, even the great Goethe could have learned something from the tale that took place on the campus of Illinois State Tech. May 10th, 1102, Don Weiner, the school's star running back and candidate for All-American, was out for a drive. Don never did make All-American. That was the voice of reporter Carl Kolchak with the case that we called Demon in Lace, directed by Don Weiss. This episode was released originally February 7th, 1975. I am Mike White. With me, as always, is Mr. Chris Dashew. You can call me the Demon in Lace. Chris, everyone wants to know, what did you think of the Demon in Lace episode? I think it's nice to finally be watching Kolchak from 1975. That's for sure. It's like a palate cleanser. I think it's an interesting episode. I think the effects are special. It's one of these things where when we talk about the show, we really have to put ourselves in the time it came out, but at the same time, remove the nostalgia goggles that many of us have when watching this show. My big takeaway with this episode of the show is that there are a lot of great character actors. There are a lot of great performances. There's a lot of great interaction with Kolchak and Jack Greenwich and Vincenzo and Miss Emily the main story is kind of secondary to my enjoyment of the episode, though. As far as the main story, I found it to be really super solid this time around. I had a lot of fun watching Demon and Lace. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's fun. It's solid. It doesn't really go and do anything crazy or out of the box or nuts, but um, it's fun. It's pretty straightforward, and and you know. It kind of checks all the boxes at this point of what my expectations are when we think about Kolchak the Night Stalker. We've got some great sexism here with Kolchak just humiliating the female reporter. <laughs> you shut up, woman! Oh my god, I about lost it. I fucking almost lost it, man. I was like, this is, boy, this is not aged well uh, at all. Yikes, man. So this episode takes place at a college campus. And there are a series of deaths where we find that these hunky young gentlemen are being killed. I'm not really sure how they're being killed. They, they Are they really having heart attacks? Something is happening to them. It is not made clear to us what that is, but they keep saying it's a heart attack. Something's happening to these guys, but the real story is that the women that are with these guys are dead. So we've got a little bit of a zombie thing going on here. The women die in various ways, but they are also more than just dead. They are reanimated corpses from a spirit from Mesopotamia from long time ago. And this spirit is going around killing all of these guys who are involved with Professor C. Evan Spate, who's played by Andrew Prine. And Andrew Prine Man, he is rocking that ascot like nobody's business. He really rocks it, and he he really makes it work. He makes it work, that's for sure. He actually literally makes it work because he gets to pull it off at one point and cover his mouth with it. He he uses it for a purpose other than just looking like a dork, which he totally looks like a dork. (laughs) Yeah, you know, he was kind of like looking at pictures of Peter Bogdanovich, and he's like, I could do this. Yeah, I could do this. 
I appreciate in this episode that there are so many weird side characters. It's there's a lot more here than there normally are. I really like that. I think that that's really cool. And like that they all kind of have a purpose and they don't really feel some of the episodes that we've seen. It's like, okay, sure. Here's X, Y, Z, you know, guest actor on the show. And like, I didn't feel that way about this episode. I was so happy to see Keenan Wynn come back as Captain Joe Mad Dog Siska. That was fantastic. Very angry, man. Really, that name. The name says it all. He is very, very mad. <laughs> he is a very mad man. Like, he is content to make Kolchak's life a living hell. Though I have to say, those conversations that he and the coroner have, they are just information dumps like crazy, and Kolchak is always there to listen in or try to record these things. I'm just like... Guys, you might want to, like, talk about that back at the office, maybe. Just a little? Just a lot of it, huh? Just to give, give us as much exposition as humanly possible, because that's what we really want to know, is just give us all the exposition right here, right now. It's a little dorky, right? It feels like a lesser show, which, like, let's be honest here, this show has its fair number of problems, but exposition dumping has kind of always been something that I just kind of overlook, because, like, whatever, it's a show from the 70s, like, they're, you know... My expectation with the show is not that they're going to really have some high a high idea of writing, if that makes sense. Right. And as far as like what the mystery is, it's really not that much of a mystery to anybody. I mean, oh God, no. Carl figures it out pretty quickly. Gets a little help maybe from Miss Emily, kind of like helps crystallize some things. She's not like his, uh, like his Wilson to house or anything, or her. Uh, she's not his, Watson to his homes, but uh, the whole thing with the uh, crossword puzzle, I think, kind of helps out some stuff. Well, and again, let's be honest here. I think at least for me, and I don't know how you feel about this, like. One of the reasons I love this show so much is the back and forth between Vincenzo, Miss Emily, and Kolchak. And when they're all firing on the same cylinder, like, it's so good. It is so good. Like, those interactions with with the three, four of them in the office is just, it's fantastic, right? Yeah, and this whole thing where we get to find out that Vincenzo won a talent contest and he did an amazing version of Stomping at the Savoy. And it's just like, yeah, give me more of this stuff. Drummer, right? Like, wasn't he saying he's like a drummer or no? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, again, it's further fleshing out this character in a way that, like, felt it felt it felt realistic. Like, it didn't feel like they were really reaching. It felt a little weird knowing where his character is now, but like. I, I liked it. It's it's great. You know, giving these characters something to do is more than can be said for the reboot, the 2006 reboot that seemingly has no idea what to do with the characters at all. Right, where we didn't even see their Vincenzo in the last episode, maybe even two episodes, who knows? Their Vincenzo might as well not exist because he is just a completely... They They have a Vincenzo in there because they need to have Vincenzo. And I've been reading this book, this X-Files book, uh, that, that talks about every single episode of the show, like, critically. And they make a very interesting point in there that relates to Kolchak, this show, and the reboot is the rebooted version of Kolchak wasn't trying to emulate Kolchak. They were just trying to remake the X-Files. And it very much feels that way. And when you watch this original version of the show, where it got lost in translation is weird to me because this version of the show is about Kolchak. 
That's it's very much his show. Darren McGavin's performance really is what you signed up for. It's what keeps us coming back every week, even if I wasn't watching it for this podcast. And he's great in this episode once again, even when he's being a sexist dick. It was almost fun watching him be a sexist dick in this episode because we knew it was coming. And the reporter, she doesn't necessarily get her comeuppance of him. You know, she doesn't get his goat, but I like that she left him abandoned at the gas station. I was like, okay, this works. There's problems with shows that were made in the 70s, watching them now. And I don't think that I'm the first person or the last person to feel that way. But, you know, it it is kind of what it is. It was made in a different time and... Rut row, uh, you could get away with acting like an asshole to women on TV, and that's kind of what happens in this show. And we've seen that throughout the show. I mean, this isn't the first time. No, God, no. Not by any like stretch of the imagination is this the first time. <laughs> like, it's really not. You mentioned some of the side characters, the supporting actors, and I was very happy to see Jackie Vernon show up in here as uh, Coach Toomey. And his whole thing about uh, the uh, young men who have not treated their bodies as well as they could, basically that they all have the clap <laughs> from running around being Lotharios. And I don't necessarily understand the tuna fish thing, well, but I was going to ask you if you understood it. Cause I have no idea what the hell's going on. No, I don't. Did, did you recognize Jackie Vernon in this? I didn't, but should I have, I grew up, watching all of the Rankin-Bass cartoons and claymation things that they were doing, stop-motion animation things, Jackie Vernon is the voice of Frosty the Snowman. So as soon as I hear the voice, I don't even look at the face, but I hear Frosty the Snowman every single time. And then it was a real shocker to me when I watched the Microwave Massacre from, I think it was like 83 or something like that. And he plays pretty much a vicious killer in there. <laughs> so it was very disconcerting for me to see uh, Frosty the Snowman uh, being this murderer in there. Yeah, I didn't recognize him. And also, dirty little secret about myself, I don't like those Rankin and Bass movies. Oh. Or the TV specials or whatever you want to interpret them as. It's one of those things that like I know that there are a lot of people your age and my age that really have this like affinity for them and I just I can't get behind them. I just don't like them. Yeah, different strokes, different folks. It's just cheesy, you know? Like, it's cheesy, and it's, like, almost cheesy for cheesiness' sake. Which, I mean, a lot of people really like that. It's just, I know, I'm a weirdo, sorry. I'm sure you recognize the registrar, though, that uh, Kolchak tries to bamboozle. Uh, that was played by... Carolyn Jones. I, again, like, I feel like I sh- should... Well, she normally isn't blonde. Yeah, she normally has long black hair, and she's usually wearing a very form-fitting dress, yes. Okay, yeah, because she was Morticia Adams, right? I did recognize her, but, like, again, it was, like, so fast, right? It was such a quick kind of – it wasn't, like – you know what I mean? Like, she she shows up, and then she's gone. It's not like Jackie Vernon where they get this, like, really long, drawn-out conversation. Yeah, I wish that she had a little bit more myself. That's the thing about this show that is so much fun is going back and getting to see all of these like actors, these really big actors from the 70s and getting to see kind of like this is what it's like then being in these shows and seeing these like big character actors from the 70s and late 60s in a show that's like, you know, kind of like the X-Files for them. Except if, it, if this had been the X-Files and they had been guesting in the show, they would have been murdered. 
Right. Because that's what happened to, like, all the guests in the X-Files. They were, like, either they were the bad guy or they were murdered. What about Alex Trebek? Jose Chung's. Let's not even – let's. this is not the podcast for that. That's so good. That episode of the show is perfect TV writing. Alex Trebek makes that. And then you've got the governor of Minnesota as well with his ponytail. But I, that's why I love this show is because it's it has that thing to it where it's like they're really utilizing these character actors in ways that make sense and don't feel that don't feel like ham fisted. I will admit the old guy who's trying to sell Kolchak magazines who Kolchak eventually steals all of his books from him. That guy, uh, Milton Parsons is the actor's name. He was in like 150 some things. I know I've seen him in things before, but I sure didn't recognize that guy. But he had a great face. But at the same time, like his character, that bit was like a little like I was kind of like, let's just get to the end at that point. His character it was a little, it was a little kind of like, OK, like he's fallen asleep and he's kind of like a narcoleptic. Like, OK. But the overall mystery of it, the whole idea of these women coming back from the dead, being possessed by this spirit I don't know. I just really enjoyed that. And then having Carl with his uh, mortar and pestle or whatever, his, uh, 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 his hammer breaking oh, his up hammer this- hammer and chisel at the end? Chisel, yes. Thank you. Breaking up this uh, Mesopotamian tablet and trying to stop him at first, but eventually realizes that all kinds of weird shit is happening. I was like, okay, this is good. And then it gets pushed over and breaks into a million pieces. That woman that came in with the, uh, I can't remember if that was the Mike Thompson character. Uh, of course, I latched onto his name because I've got a friend named Mike Thompson. But when uh, she came in and was just laughing hysterically, like that woman from the uh, the fashion model episode, the Trevi Collection, I was like, wow, she's really going for it, isn't she? Too bad about Mark Hansen, but with him gone, I'll need another assistant. Life does go on, Michael. Look, uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Good. Okay, for a start, why not go over to the anthropology lab and uh, get a copy of uh, Whitehead's Persia that... Michael, where are your manners? Who is this incredibly beautiful creature? I just met her at the bookstore. She's really some, isn't she? Uh, Maria? What? Please, come in. Uh, Professor, this is... Um, this is Maria Venegas. Well, my pleasure. And then he goes like, stop acting like such a weirdo. Like he even mentions it, which I thought was kind of like a fun little thing. It's like, they're not going to just hang a lantern on her being a weirdo. Like they're actually going to like, you know, Hey, you're fucking weird. Like you're freaking people out. What are you doing? <laughs> There's so much sex in this episode or implied sex. It's like that. We open up with this woman stopping a car and the guy basically is like, say, it's really, it's kind of a really weird episode of the show because there's a lot of stuff going on that's like not what we're used to with the show. Also, the other thing is there are a lot of character actors. Like I keep coming back to it, but like it feels like there's more than usual. I don't know. I felt like we got so many in Chopper that I'm, yeah, okay, it fair. doesn't even phase me on this one. 
I mean, I'm not complaining, but yeah, I forget kind of Chopper is like so inundated with like, oh, so many character actors. And I'll tell you what, this is a much better episode than Chopper. I agree. If people were obsessed with this one as much as they were with Chopper, I'd get behind it 100%. It's like, okay, yeah, this works for me. Yeah, the the obsession with Chopper just, sure, go ahead. Chopper, I just don't get it, because Chopper is not a good episode. Sorry, if, if that opinion upsets you, it's my opinion and my opinion alone, but Chopper is not a good episode. Like, it is. The effect The effect alone spoils the episode. At least the effect in this episode is, like, not super distracting. It's kind of distracting, but at least it's not, like, Chopper, where it's clearly just a guy riding around with a motorcycle, like, on a motorcycle with, like, his, like, shirt has, like, the little see-through, like, sheen black cloth so he can see out of it as there's, like, a fake, like, stump neck. So apparently part of this episode is going to be reused in the TV movie Demon and the Mummy. We'll have to watch that eventually to see how they kind of uh, threw two episodes together and tried to make it one TV movie. How they reappropriate parts of the episode we've already seen. Exactly. And try to pass it off as something else. What a weird thing. What a weird thing to do. Like, that would not fly outside of, like, a clip show in 2019, right? Mm, Yeah, probably not. I can't really think of them doing that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I remember years ago finding all of these quote-unquote Planet of the Apes movies and Shaft movies. And I was like, what the hell is this? They, They only made, like the five Planet of the Apes movies at the time. They only made three Shaft movies. What are all these movies? And only to find out that they were doing the same thing, where they were taking two TV episodes and smashing them together. I don't know if they were doing a linear thing with that, saying these two episodes go together, or if they were doing the same kind of patchwork that we're going to see with these Kolchak movies. It's honestly really disappointing that that is what we're going to get with Kolchak, right? We're going to get this like weird amalgamation, amalgamation, amalgamation thing where it's like, let's just kind of pick and choose from the other stuff and make it into something. It's like, oh, God, like, that's unfortunate. I can see it maybe working. Like, if they took all of the scenes of the women seducing the men and then gave it a new voiceover from Carl that they were, I don't know, agents of Satan or something else. Like a new context to it? Yeah, exactly. Maybe that'll work, but we'll have to see how it goes. Outside of the kind of goofy, and I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I felt like I felt like the effect on the on the succubus was a little goofy. Oh, the old woman makeup kind of thing? Yeah, where it's like crack face makeup, where it's like she's got like a cracked face. It's not as distracting as, say, the werewolf. I was really reminded of some Hong Kong movies from like the 80s when it came to that makeup effect. It just looks like when like a Chinese hopping vampire gets exposed to sun or something, it's going to look kind of fucked up like that. But yeah, as far as like a traditional effect, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's right up there with the last Kolchak 2005 that we saw as far as that old woman kind of thing. It didn't really impress me as far as like, oh, this is a great special effect. It was just like, oh, this woman's kind of fucked up. You know, at least we can see the monster in this episode. Some of the episodes of this show, some of the episodes of the reboot, we haven't even been able to see the monster. So at least we can see the monster. But sometimes maybe it's better to not. I don't know. It's it's this weird thing with Kolchak where when they do the monster, sometimes the monsters are just god awful. 
And you're like, oh, I kind of wish that I didn't have to see the monster to begin with. And then some of the episodes were like, oh, this is really cool. And like the monster is super cool. And then it's just the monster's design is really bad. Overall, I thought this was a pretty solid one. I thought it was a fun. It's a fun episode. And again, like the premise is interesting. The the amount of guest actors is just it's I would say it's stunning how many people they fit into this episode. And it and like again, it like doesn't feel inherently like super shoehorned in. And you know, I, look, the thing is like just like the X Files, just like Supernatural. The reason we come back to this show is because we like Darren McGavin's performance and. Any amount of time I get to spend extra with Darren McGavin in the role as Kolchak is is good time as far as I'm concerned. It's good time. And this this delivers on that. So next month, we will be back with another of the original Kolchak. We'll be talking about Legacy of Terror, in which we get to see Eric Estrada playing like an Aztec priest, if memory serves. Oh, geez. Eric Estrada. Mr. Nice Man Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada is a uh, Eric Estrada is one of my favorites. He's so, he's such a he's just great. So should be fun. Yeah. So I'm looking, looking forward, forward to that. I, I too am looking forward to it. So Chris, what have you been up to lately? Well, for me, uh, we are doing uh, some Stanley Kubrick films over at the Culture Cast. Mike, you have uh, joined me on one, The Killing, and uh, you know we're we're not watching 2001 or The Shining or Clockwork Orange. So if you've seen those movies like I have, but you haven't seen some of Stanley Kubrick's deeper cuts, even though he had like what ten movies, and that was it. Like it's not Stanley Kubrick's filmography is not very deep. You know, like there are like other directors like Spielberg or Scorsese. Uh, head on over to culturecast.com where you can uh, check out that episode and the rest of Stanley Kubrick month and the rest of the, uh, of the podcast over there. Also, I do a little podcast with my good buddy Mike Wallace where we talk about Tales from the Crypt. That podcast is called Chronicles from the Crypt and you can find that over at chroniclesftc.com. What about you, Mike? What have you been up to other than talking about Kolchak? Well, other than talking about Kolchak and talking about the Twilight Zone 85, which you can find over at twilightzone85.com, where I talk with you all the time. It's how, it feels like we're talking all the time, Chris. I, you know, it's not a bad thing, because I enjoy talking with you, unless we're talking about 2019's Twilight Zone, which we also talk about on that Twilight Zone podcast. I'm very curious to uh, record the next episode of uh, Dreams for Sale just to see if we start touching more on that 2019 show, if we're just going to leave it alone. I feel like we'd be doing a disservice to not talk about it a little bit more, but at the same time, it's also not great. So it's also not very good, which is unfortunate. Well, other than talking with you all the time, I'm also doing a podcast called The Projection Booth, which you can find at projectionboothpodcast.com, where every week talking about a different movie or maybe even two you never know i'm kind of tricksy like that like a hobbit you tricksy like the cereal so i want to thank everybody for listening i want to thank john walker for providing our theme music and yeah if you've given us a review over on itunes i haven't read it i haven't gone over to see if we've even broken our five reviews that uh will actually possibly make a dent is that the thing, or is that like when you write a book for Amazon that you had to have five reviews before they'll even start showing up? I don't know. I mean, the books that I read on Amazon are like Chuck Tingle books, and those don't tend to have ratings because people are normally too embarrassed to have read them. So, Have you read uh, – what was it? Raptor has sex with Robert Mueller report in the butt? I've, I have not read that one, but I have read Buff, uh, Bigfoot Butt Samoye. 
which is an actual okay, title good. for a real book, and it is about Bigfoot eating someone's butt. And that guy almost won a Hugo, so we're clearly not doing anything right with our lives. So when he wins a rondo, call me. Yeah, well, when he wins a rondo, it still won't matter. So. The campus security force insisted on calling the Chicago police to press charges against me, but they found a sudden surprising resistance from Dr. C. Evans Spade, who claimed the tablet had been broken accidentally. And despite verification by a confused and frightened Michael Thompson, neither reporter Ms. Rosalind Winters nor I had enough hard evidence to file a story. It had all turned to dust. However, published story or not, I can only say to you that should you ever meet a young woman who seems just too lovely to be really of this world, well, just remember, there's a very good chance that she isn't. <laughs> <laughs>